First Peter chapter 5, and uh, it really is a blessing uh, to be here this morning. At first it was a lot of fear and a lot of what in the world. Uh, but then after that, just continuing to see, man, just the, the blessing, the honor, and the privilege that it is. The blessing and honor it is to see just the parking lot completely filled with cars. You ladies always put the guys to shame. So continue to pray for them. We're praying for them. We hope that, uh, man, the men's meetings and the men's conferences will be this full. Um, but I'm, a, a story. Uh, Roberto Caballero, he said this a long time ago, and I'll never forget it. He said, men and women, they, husbands and wives, they worry about different things. You see, the, the men, they worry about the, the big picture, the important things. They worry about governments. They worry about banks. They worry about kings and presidents. They worry about the weather and hurricanes. They worry about the stock market. And then the wife, she worries about everything else. And I, I totally dig that, and it's something that always bothers me, right? Uh, because so often we are looking so much at the big picture that we're failing to realize the things that the Lord has put right in front of us that we can affect, that we can work on, that we can deal with. Uh, many pastors have been saying it during the season, man, how do we change our world? How do we save our nation? How do we do all these things? And it starts off with being a godly example in our homes. It starts off with raising our kids in the way that they should go. It starts off in being a, a biblical husband or wife. It starts off with that. That's how you can truly affect your world. And in this day and age that we're living in, the enemy, he always works the same. He's seeking to divide us. Always looking to divide us. Always looking to divide and conquer. And it's been something that has been slowly but surely growing, right? 10, 20 years ago, it was... All the blogs, right? All the blogs, the power to look online and you can look to any mommy blog, right? And they'll give you all the wisdom in the world. And then very quickly we would throw out the wisdom from our elders. We would throw out the wisdom from the people that have come before us. And that has only continued to multiply and get worse and worse, right? Now we have derogatory names for the older generation and the younger generation, right? Get out of here, boomer, right? Or whatever it may be. For a long season, everything was blamed to all those millennials, right? Those millennials, those millennials. And the enemy has continued to make us not look at each other as human beings or mothers and daughters or grandmothers and daughters, but the enemy has made us look at each other in ways that it's almost not even human. And that's not what Scripture tells us. All over Scripture, it tells us to honor our mother and father. All over Scripture, it tells us to have a love and respect for those who are older than us. Again, in years past, before social media, when you needed help with something, you would ask your parents. You wouldn't look to the internet or to a stranger, right? I hope you wouldn't do it to a stranger, right? You're in Sedanos and you run into a random lady and you say, hey, how do you raise your kids, right? <laughs> how should I fix this thing? And yet so often we're looking to the internet to say, hey, stranger, how should I raise my kids? How should I live in this world? And the craziest thing in this season is that now we're beginning to throw out godly counsel if we think they just can't relate to us. Right? They never had social media, so I could just throw out their counsel. They don't even know what TikTok is or how to spell it, so I could just I could throw away their counsel. They have nothing to tell me. And this is 
tools of the enemy that continually seek to divide us. But in 1 Peter chapter 5, it gives us an incredible balance for the elders and for the younger people. And it's this blessing and benefit that I hope we can grow in because as the enemy continues to seek to divide our nation and our church and our world, we should be the example. We should be the trailblazer showing the world this is how we can stay unified. There's only one thing that can unify us and that's Jesus Christ and a love for him. He's the unity. All we have to do is to work to just keep that peace and keep that unity. I heard, again, a, a man a lot wiser than myself, but are we really still the United States of America? Is there one common thing that can unite every single citizen of the United States? And unfortunately in this day and age, maybe the pursuit of happiness. That's the only thing, right? Fulfilling our own flesh. That's the only thing that perhaps can unify us. But if we're all looking to just fulfill our own flesh, we're not going to really be looking to be unified or take care of each other. But First Peter chapter 5, verse 1, it says, The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So much goodness in the rest of that chapter. But all that to say, man, we need to be unified. We need to be unified. I encourage you, older women, to take a younger woman under your wing. That's not related to you that wouldn't be seated at your table, that isn't just already assumes they can come in and out of your house because they're family, they're related to you. Are you willing to take in a perfect stranger and love on them and be a mom to them? Be an older sister to them because this is what the Bible naturally has within the body of Christ. Right before we used to have big brothers, big sisters programs, right? Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, and all those things have become corrupt. Why? Because the Bible's not the main thing there. The Bible's not the main foundation there. So now for us as a church, are we willing to be like Christ, who took 12 knuckleheads, right? And how he took care of them. He fed them. He helped pay their taxes. He helped heal their mother-in-laws, right? He helped take care of them. Zach, my house isn't big enough. He had no home, right? Zach, I can't cook enough. We see him only cooking in the resurrected body, right? <laughs> Zach, I don't have enough money. He didn't have money. He didn't have a place to lay his head. But the thing that we are to do as the body of Christ is to love others. And what separates us from doing that is 
our pride. It's our pride. I don't have enough time. They're too dumb, right? They're too thick-headed. They're never going to get it. They're just going to waste my time. I encourage us to love on the younger generation. Not for the younger generation, for us to respect and submit to our elders. To those that have gone before us, that love the Lord and are still loving the Lord five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years after they started walking with the Lord. Because that's what you want for your life. That's what you want for your family's life. That's what you want for your marriage is that you are able to love the Lord and continually love Him day in and day out. What you want for your home, for your job, for your life is to have a godly home. So our advice, the, the people that we should be surrounding ourselves with, it should be believers who have run the race before us and are continuing to run the race in front of us. And that's just an encouragement. Again, even social media, it's created, they call it these echo chambers. That everything you see on social media, 98% of it, it's all stuff you agree with. Because that's how they keep you hooked onto it. That's how they keep you watching it. So for us to not necessarily be in an echo chamber of political beliefs or of the things that we like to waste our time, but that we'd be in an echo chamber of godly men and women. That hopefully one day say, Lord, I want my family to look like this individual's family. And again, ladies, you'll never know the joys of life in being able to be, for me, a father, a brother to many other people. And for you to be able to be a mom and an older sister for many other people. The enemy, your flesh, your pride is going to want to keep you away from doing that. But the Spirit, the Lord... And really joy for all of eternity, it's going to want you to pour into other people more than we pour into ourselves. And finally, let's turn to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we do? What shall we have? So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say it to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone, that's for us, who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or wife or children or lands, for my namesake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last First, there's something that has continually creeped up within our and our generations and within our families, and it's a, a worship of the schedule. A worship of the schedule. This is what I have to do because this is what I always do. I have to be here by this time because this is always the time my kids go to bed. 
I have to be here because this is always what's going to be easiest for me tomorrow and this weekend and the next weekend and the next. And ladies, I just encourage you to pray. Are there things that the Lord is asking you to give up that He is more than willing to honor you and bless you, not only in this season, but in, but in the next? I encourage you, are you willing to give up that Wednesday night bedtime, right? That early Wednesday night bedtime. Do you not think the Lord will bless you if you come to be with His people? Will He not bless your kids if you bring them to hear the Word of God? Will He not do that? Or will He say, nope, should have put them in bed earlier. Sorry. That Bible study is not going to stick. It's not going to be a blessing to them, right? The Sunday brunch, the Sunday outing. Will the Lord not want to bless you if you say, you know what? We can schedule it a little later. We can have Sunday dinner. We can have Sunday late lunch, right? Will the Lord not want to bless you? I encourage us to more and more, are we willing to give up things for the Lord? Many people, they're worried our spiritual freedoms are going to be gone in the coming years. Many people are worried about that. If we're not willing to make small sacrifices today, like bedtimes and bubble baths and brunch, I even do that on purpose, right? Whatever it may be. If we're not willing to make small sacrifices for the Lord now, how can we say, Lord, when things go insane, of course I'm going to be willing to make sacrifices for you, Lord. Of course I'm going to be willing to give it all up. Lord, of course I'm going to be willing to put my life on the line and the lives of my kids on the line to come to church and follow you. When in these small things, these small tiny battles, we're not even willing to fight them. And again, it's not every time. It's not a spirit of religiosity or, or trying to lord over you like 1 Peter chapter 5 just warned us. But it's an encouragement to you. It's an encouragement for your families. There's many older women here again that they're praying, they're hurt because their kids are not walking in the ways of the Lord right now. And I think if you would ask them, hey, if you could take back your Wednesday nights, right? If you could take back your Sunday night prayer meetings, if you could take back those Sunday morning brunches, which would you rather have? Ask them. I encourage you. Ask them. And I'm sure they will tell you where the priority will lie. And that's, again, just an encouragement. That's just love. The Lord has given us many tools, many blessings. I know you, you're all here. So you're blessed to be here. You're blessed to fellowship. You're blessed to be in the Word of God and to be able to break bread with one another. But I encourage you, it doesn't have to be once a year. It doesn't even have to be twice a year. It could be two Sundays a month, right? It could be as often as you'd like to fellowship with the body of believers that the Lord has given us. Again, I encourage you to serve at the church. You all have so many giftings, and the Lord wants to bless you so much. Uh, but the enemy, he just wants to lie to us. The schedule's too busy. It's too hectic. It's going to be a waste of my time. I encourage you. The Lord, he wants to bless you. He wants to bless your families. He wants to take care of you guys. Uh, but yeah, may we continue to love one another. And may we be willing to say, Lord, what sacrifices am I willing to make now? I think we all think things are only going to get worse here. Our freedoms aren't going to get better. Our ability to worship isn't going to get better. So that we would be practicing now. So again, love you all. So blessed to have so many sisters and moms, little sisters. It's a blessing. So let's pray. Uh, Lord, we just love you. And again, Lord, we thank you that, Lord, your, your plans for us are not to harm us, Lord. They're not to destroy us, God, but they're to give us a hope and a future. Uh, so, Lord, I pray that we would truly be biblical Christians, God. 
that each and every day we'd be taking up our cross, crucifying our flesh, and following you. And Lord, we do pray, Lord, for those who have been hurt, Lord, those who are distancing themselves, Lord, and trying to hide and isolating themselves, Lord, I pray that you would reveal to them the sin that's within their heart, Lord. And Lord, we pray for all the prodigals here, Lord, all the sons, all the daughters, God. We pray for the husbands, Lord, that we're praying for, Lord, that they're not walking with you, Lord. They are wasting away days and months and years of their life, Lord. We pray that you'd speak to them, Lord that you would soften their hearts and that you would reach out to them, Lord. And God, I just pray you'd be with us. If any of us were taking the scales out, Lord, and we're counting, we're counting the cost, Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us today, Lord, how you are worth it, God. So we just love you. We thank you so much. We pray that you would bless the rest of the time together. Bless all the ladies, Lord, and the devotionals, the time of sharing and the sharing of your word, Lord. We love you. We thank you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, I, I sense that the Lord um, wants to encourage those of you that may be either within your own family or just within your heart. There has been some strain with those either of the older generation or of a younger generation. And I also believe the Lord is warning us against the idols of convenience and control. So if either of those things is for you this morning, would you just stand up and give me the opportunity to pray for you? If you're struggling with maybe um, just someone in an older generation or a younger generation, the Lord wants to bring restoration to that. And if you're struggling with worship of the schedule, either out of convenience or control, um, just stand up and I'll pray for you so that the Lord can, can do that deeper and greater work. Lord, we stand confessing, God, that there's areas in our lives that Lord, need you, that need your spirit, that need your wisdom, that need your grace, God, that need your healing. And I just pray for my sisters here this morning that maybe have a relationship that is strained with someone who is older or someone who is younger, maybe in their family, maybe someone um, that used to mentor them or someone they used to disciple. And Lord, there's been friction, there's been division. We, Lord, we know, Lord, that unity comes from you. And so I pray for my sisters. I pray for forgiveness to rule and reign in their hearts. God, we know that we have been forgiven so much. Help us to love much. Help that graciousness to overflow in our hearts and that you would show us what the next step is, Lord, in loving those that um, are older than us and those that are younger than us, Lord. Lord, I pray for my sisters that are bound by a schedule, a certain routine. God, I pray that whether it's fear of not being in control, Lord, or just a tendency to want convenience and want what only um, pleases us, Lord, 
that we would surrender that to you, Lord, that we would allow your mighty hand to free us, God, from that bondage, to allow you to take over our plans, our hopes, our dreams, our itineraries, God. Not as an excuse for laziness to not be prepared, but God, that we would allow you to be the one who directs our steps as we prepare, God. If this year has taught us anything, Lord, it's priorities. May we prioritize the relationships you tell us to work on. And may we prioritize giving you the glory above accomplishing certain things on a checklist, God. I thank you that this sacrifice that we're putting on the altar is pleasing to you, God. And I pray you would show us practically what to do next to honor you. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I now have the joy and privilege of welcoming Velkis Casas to come and share our first session in Colossians 1. She's a mom. She's a grandma of five beautiful grandkids and also a wife. And she loves you ladies a lot. So I can't wait for what she has to share. guys ready for Colossians? Yes. The feast of the of the word. <clears throat> I'll tell you what. We're going to have dinner for breakfast today. Okay? In the word. And by the time this whole thing is over today, we're going to gain like 10 pounds. <laughs> Spiritual pounds. Okay? Um, so please turn with me to um, Colossians chapter 1. But before we get started, I want to bless you. You know that song last night, the blessing song? Um, that song, oh my gosh, it just, it kills me. So anyways, I, that's taken out of Numbers chapter 6. And I just want to bless you this morning. That's how I want to start. So may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance and give you all his peace. Amen? Amen. Okay, so are you there in Colossians chapter 1? Everybody? Okay, put a marker there and please turn with me to Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1 is where our Bible studies back in September in the ladies' ministry on Tuesday nights, that's where we started. We started in Psalms chapter 1. So that's where I want to start. Are you there? Okay. So let's read together here. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So speaking about blessings this morning, notice that there is one here. Blessed is the man, woman, or child who does not walk, stand, or sits with the ungodly person. So there is a blessing here, but it's very conditional. Okay, so you will be blessed 
if you don't invest your life with sinners. And it doesn't mean associate with sinners, because of course, how is anybody going to come to know Christ if they don't if we don't tell them, right? So it doesn't mean that, but it means rather don't hang out or mix with, invest in that person. And why, let's look at it one more time. Notice that first you're walking with them. Next, you will be standing with them. And before you know it, you're gonna be sitting with them or doing what they're doing. Um, There's a verse in Proverbs 22 that is very, very interesting. I want you to uh, listen very carefully. You don't need to go there, but it's Proverbs 22, verses 24 through 25. It says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and you set a snare for your soul. So this is a soul trap. Why? Because you hang out with somebody that's angry, and you're basically going to learn their ways. You hang out with a gossiper, ladies, believe me, you're going to be gossiping. And that's especially true for us women, isn't it? You know, what else is very, very contagious is bitterness, Um, especially a bitter woman. Uh, She will go around just talking bad about everything, nothing is good, and before you know it, you're going to see things her way, bitterness. But on the other side of the coin, you hang out with a godly person, a godly woman, and she's going to affect you in the best ways because you will be learning her ways. Years ago, when I first became a Christian, I felt a nudge from the Holy Spirit, and it was a very strong nudge to move from the job that I had worked in for like 10 years. And that was a very good thing because, you see, I needed to get away from some people. I needed a fresh start. And so I I moved to a different job, and oh my goodness, I, I met this lady. She was the secretary. Her name was June, and boy, did she affect me for Christ. She was godly, and I can best describe her as a giant prayer warrior. Now, at lunchtime, we would go to this upper room, and we would have a a sandwich quickly, and then she would grab me by the hands, and she would begin to pray, and she would intercede for everybody, and I was in awe. I, I was a young believer. I had just come to Christ, and I just sat there And I absorbed this woman and the way that she loved the Lord. And her passion became my passion for prayer. And so one day she finally said, maybe months later, she finally said, Belkis, now it's your turn. And I was like, what? No. What do you mean my turn to pray? I was like, I had never prayed before out loud. I was a baby in the Lord. I had never done this. What do you mean me pray? I don't know how to do this. But you know what? I did. And so when I began to pray, I sounded just like her because I had learned her ways. That passion that she had for Christ was contagious. So till this day, that friendship 
which I don't even, I haven't heard from her in years. She's back in California. That's where I got saved. That friendship, the fruit of that relationship is still with me. Do you guys remember when you were teenagers? Did your mother ever say to you, dime con quien tu andas y te diré quien eres? Do you guys remember that? I'll translate. Tell me who you hang out with and I will tell you who you are. And basically, that's what verse 1 says in Psalms 1. Okay? Our mothers are so smart. <laughs> okay, so verse 2 of Psalms 1. This is so important. I want you guys to really listen and, and read this and meditate on this. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Do you meditate on the word day and night? Do you delight in the word? Not just read it. Meditate on it. It's completely different. You can read a book. You can read, but this book, you need to meditate on it. Proverbs 8, 17, the Lord says this, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. So those that truly seek the Lord early in life, early in a situation, Early in the morning, will uniquely find him. You know, this world, especially in this 2020, is crazy. It, it's, it's full of clutter. It's full of craziness. And so we need him more than ever early in the morning. Just a few moments, just one verse, maybe, you know, a few verses day and night. Well, it's going to serve you well. Okay, because it comes with a guaranteed promise. Let's notice what this promise is. You will be blessed if you don't do verse 1. Walk, stand, sit with sinners. And if you do verse 2, you delight and meditate on the word of God day and night. So if you don't do verse 1 and you do verse 2, if you follow these instructions carefully, then you will benefit. How? Let's look at verse 3 of Psalms chapter 1. He shall be like the tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruits in its seasons, whose leaves also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. What a promise. What an incredible promise. A tree by the riverbanks is always healthy. Why? Because it's nourished by the water, the living waters. Its roots are deep, and they are strong, and they are healthy. The promise, if you follow these instructions, the promise is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And notice that it says in its seasons or when you need it most. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit are love, joy, peace. Who doesn't need peace? Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And boy, do we need that. And ladies, that is exactly what we're doing here today. We are 
wanting to seek the Lord. We're wanting to delight in his word. We want to meditate on his word. And so because we have come today, the Lord will bless us. Wouldn't he, right? He's going to bless us. So before we begin in our study in Colossians, I like to just like bow down. Let's bow down not only our eyes, our heads. Let's bow down our hearts so we can worship this incredible Father that we have who deserves all of our reverence. So let's do that, okay? Father, we just come before you right now hungry, Lord God, hungry for your word, Lord. We need you desperately, Lord God. Father, we want to trade our fears for your peace this morning. And knowing that you are more than able to do much more than whatever we can ask or pray. Lord, fill us this morning with the power of the Holy Spirit that we might be able to understand your word and then apply it to our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Okay, so now let's turn to um, Colossians chapter 1, the main meal of this service. We did Psalms chapter 1. That was the appetizer. And now we're going to go into the main meal, okay? So Colossians chapter 1. And now before we start, I like to like tell you just a little bit about it so you kind of like get the understanding, the background a little bit. Uh, this letter was written to a church in Colossae. Now this was a real church with real people, much like today. Okay, we're here today in Calvary Chapel, Miami. This is not a story like Snow White and the Seventh Dwarf. No, 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 this is a letter written to a real church. Now this letter was written uh, by Paul and he was writing to a church of people that he had never met. So that made a difference. It was believed that Paul had never been to Colossae, in fact, we're not even sure that he ever even passed through there. When Paul was in Ephesus, one of his converts by the name of Epaphras, Epi, I like to call him Epi. Epi gets saved, he gives his life to the Lord and he's so static about it, he wants to take it home. He wants to take that gospel home to his town and so he does, he starts a church there. So it was Epaphras, who started the church in Colossae, and that's important because Paul had never met these people that he was writing this letter to. Now, about five to six years later, the report comes to Paul from this young pastor that things were not going well in, in this church. The church was running into problems. The church was being infiltrated by wrong teachings in two major areas, in belief and in behavior. And let me tell you, when you believe the wrong things, it will definitely affect your behavior. We see it all over the place nowadays in the streets of America, people with wrong beliefs affecting their behavior. And it's crazy. You can believe with all your heart, you're going to Disney and you hop on that expressway and you're, you're, you're heading south and you're believing with all your heart that you're going to Disney. But really, what you're gonna end up is in Key West, because you're headed south. So just because you believe this, 
It doesn't mean if you don't believe the right thing, you're going to end up with wrong behaviors. The Colossian church, much like the church today, was being influenced by secularism and mixed together with mysticism. This was like a soup of all these crazy things that they were beginning to believe. They started out great, but all of a sudden they just started, you know, going into these weird things. And when you mix the Christian faith with worldliness, anything that is not the word and Jesus, you end up with something that is not Christianity at all. Let me make sure that you guys understand. The church is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not the cool spirit, not the hip spirit, not the politically correct spirit. The church is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when a church veers off the Word of God, and they start going crazy, they start with all the bells and whistles, you know, the disco balls and whatever it is, then you know what happens to the Holy Spirit? He takes off. He takes off. And you know what that church is left with? Religion. That's it. Religion. Sure, you know, a church can have 15 services on a Sunday morning. But if that church is not filled with the Holy Spirit, if Jesus is not the center, I love that song we sang today. If Jesus is not the center of the church, the church is dead. Get out of there. It's dead. So Paul gives this young pastor advice, and he agrees to write this letter to this church, reminding them, you know, the basic truths, come back. Come back to the word. You veered off. Come back. And you're going to hear all about it with these four chapters in Colossians. And that's why it was so important for Paul to start with his greeting, to give his credentials. He says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, meaning I am a church leader by the will of God. I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. You can believe me. I'm old. I've been there. You can trust me. But because he really doesn't know these people, he's, his tone is a bit gentle. Not like the tone that he would have with the other churches that he knew. So keep that in mind. Okay, Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth, as you also learned from Epaphras, your dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, 
who also declare to us your love in the Spirit. What an amazing example that Paul is right here. You know, he really had never met these people, never laid his eyes on them, but yet, knowing all their frailties, he still finds time to lift them up. So he starts this letter by lifting them up. He gives thanks to God for their faith in Jesus, their love for the saints, and for their hope in heaven. Faith, hope, and love, the great mark of a great church. So this church started out so great, but sadly, somewhere around, around the, I don't know, somewhere around the line, they got blurred. You know, they started swaying, and they became infected. And I've seen it. It can happen. It's real. That's why, as Christians, we need to be in the Word daily. Why? So we can discern when things are not right, when things are weird, when they're getting weird. As believers, we're desperate for two things, a cool head and a warm heart. A cool head to discern and a warm heart to pray for those that are veering off. So Paul tells them, he is praying always for them. He tells them, I'm not I, I've not only heard of your love for Jesus, but also how you have spread the gospel throughout the whole world and how it is bearing fruit. This letter was written around 64 AD, approximately about 30 years after Jesus was crucified. And, in, and within these 30 years, these group of people, they had fulfilled the Great Commission. They had uh, t told the whole world about the gospel. And amazingly enough, these people didn't have Facebook or Twitter. Can you believe it? but they had a passion for Christ. You know, I look at today's world and we have so many forms of communication and so many platforms and so many things and yet there are so many people that are still in darkness. They're blind. A few months ago, back in June, I was shocked as I read about these two young lawyers 31 and 32. One of them was educated in Princeton. And both of them got caught and thrown in jail for throwing mal mal what do you say that? Molotov cocktails into a police car. And I thought to myself, oh my God, if these kids only knew Christ, I felt so sorry for them. These Two young people seeming, seemingly had everything, a great education, they had dream jobs. Both were lawyers, people that, whose jobs was to know the law and to apply it. Yet, they were missing one giant component in their lives, Jesus. And what a difference that would have made in their lives. A few months ago, I was at a Sunday night prayer meeting, and Pastor Chris Rodriguez, he said the most incredible thing. It, it just totally impacted me. It just, he said this, 
so many people today are so afraid to die, but no one is preparing for death. And I thought to myself, that is so true. You know, they're so crazy about these masks. You know, they think that without it, they're going to die. Their, their guns are selling out. Bullets are out of stock because they think they're going to die. And yet no one is preparing for their death for eternity. Well, it was a few days after that. I was in Walgreens. And I was paying there, chit-chatting with the, the cash register. And my glasses were getting fogged up because I had that mask. <laughs> And I was so frustrated, and I was saying, oh my gosh, I can't wait till we, we can take these things off. When I was rudely interrupted by the lady behind me, she said something like this. She said, no, but you can't take that off because I will die. I go, what? <laughs> Open door. So I turned to her. And this lady, I really felt sorry for her. She was like probably around 80 years old. She was in a walker. She not only had a face mask, she had a shield. And I turned to her and I said, are you afraid to die? And she goes, well, yeah. If you, you know, if I don't, if you take off your mask, I'll get corona. And I'm like, do you realize that a hundred out of a hundred people will eventually die? We're all going to die. And she looked at me. I go, but the question is, are you preparing for your death? And she looked at me like, what in the world? <laughs> I said, do you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? That if you believe in him, you will have eternity in heaven because he paid the price for you. She looked at me. She didn't say anything. She probably thought I was the smartest person in the whole world or the biggest country pumpkin in the whole world. <laughs> Those two things. But she didn't say anything. And, you know, I'm hoping that she, I'm sure she thought about it because it's just so true, you know? So now, you know, anytime anybody's talking about death or corona or politics or something, I always bring it around to that truth. You know, that great statement from the great pastor, Chris Rodriguez. <laughs> so here, let's go on. Okay, Paul also tells them, this gospel which has come to you, as it is also in the whole world, is bringing forth fruit. Every country, do you guys realize every country, every nation, every people where the gospel has been preached, it has made an impact and there has been tangible fruit. For example, did you know that hospitals, orphanages, and the educational, educational system are all attributed to Christianity? All of that comes from Christianity. The treatment of women. Do you understand the way Muslims treat their women compared to the nations where the gospel has been preached? completely different. We owe that to Christianity. We are still, this day, eating the fruit of these people, these men and women from the Church of Colossae. We still are. For how much longer? I don't know. I really don't. 
Okay, so let's go on. Verse 7 and 8. As you also learn from Epaphras, our dear, dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. I love this guy, Epaphras. Epi? Epi only wants to talk good about people. He only wants to talk great things about his church. Man, this guy, great news about this guy, great news about this family. He was not a Debbie Downer, no. He just wanted to talk good about people. And this is so convicting for me. Proverbs 22:11 says, he who loves purity of heart and has grace on his lips, the king will be his friend. Girls, I don't know about you, but I want the king not only to be my friend, I want him to be my best friend. And for that, I need to have purity of heart and grace on my lips. And listen, I know sometimes we need to talk about things. I know some things need to be shared. And he did. But he did it privately with Paul. But mostly, Epi, he just wanted to tattletale good things about people. That's all he wanted to do. But ladies, not only does this please the Lord, it has an incredible impact on people. And how, you ask? Listen very, very carefully what I'm about to tell you. What you say about a person can affect my perception of him or her forever. I remember years ago, not this church, no one that you know, it was early Sunday morning first service, I bumped into a friend and we were chit-chatting. We were just having the great time and I, I mentioned, I said, hey, just out of uh, courtesy, I said, how's your husband? I haven't seen him in a while. Oh my goodness. She began to just dunk on this guy. She says, oh no, he's too lazy to get up to first service. I don't even think he makes it to second service sometimes because he just can't get up. And oh my gosh, needless to say, my perception of him changed. Now every time I would see this guy at church, I would think to myself, lazy. <laughs> there goes lazy. I, I couldn't help it. She changed my perception of him forever. And you know, the saddest thing was that she could have just covered him. And she didn't. Ladies, to the degree that I, to a degree, I am who you say that I am. How? When I'm not around, if you say to another person, oh, Belkis is a jerk. Who in the world does she think she is? If you talk about me when I'm not around, I will become that thing, not only in your eyes, but in the eyes of the person you're talking to. And I love it the way the Lord works things out because on Wednesdays, 
service. I don't know if you were here, but that's exactly what Pastor Zach taught on. I was like, confirmation. Sadly, I know people that have left this wonderful church because someone has said something about somebody here. You talk negatively about me, and even if those things are not true, that's what I will become in your sight and sadly in the sight of that person that you're talking to. But on the other hand, if you speak well about a person when you're not in their sight, if you say nice, encouraging things about them when they're not around, that's the way that you will view them. Let's learn this valuable lesson from Epaphras. Even though these people were not perfect by far, and he could have chosen to talk bad about them to Paul, he didn't. And he spoke about the issues. He didn't speak about the people. And that made a huge difference in the way that Paul wrote this letter to them. I know that you guys are not going to talk about me after the service. I just know that. And you know why I know that? Because you guys are a bunch of epis. Verse 9 through 12. Okay, so guys, if you're wondering right now, if you're like counting ceiling tiles or something like that, come back. Because this is the main course of this meal, this one. Okay, listen to how Paul prays for these people. Verse 9. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask. Listen to what he asks God. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Wow, what a prayer. You know, I want you guys to know that ever since I was given this task and I read over this, I have been praying for you guys for this. I actually prayed this for you guys this morning. I prayed like this, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you, Calvary Chapel, Miami women, may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. What an incredible prayer. What an incredible prayer for our husbands. Or for you ladies that are single here today, what an important prayer for your husbands to be. For your children, for your parents, for your loved ones, for the missionary in Africa when we don't know how to pray. I often pray something like this. Oh, Lord. I pray for that house. I really love it, Lord, please. <laughs> oh, Lord, heal him. 
from that horrible disease quickly. Oops. Oh, Lord. Let this boyfriend be the one for my 40-year-old friend because she really needs a husband now. (laughs) Well, how do I know that is the right job or the right house? How do I know that's the right husband for my friend? Or worse, what if the Lord doesn't want to heal you quickly? Perhaps he wants you in a sick bed to slow you down like he did with me at the beginning of this year, where I had nothing but him to reveal himself to you, to purify you. I don't know if that job is right for you. I don't know if that decision is right for you. I'm so much better praying like Paul prays here, praying under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, these verses make me think that I need to balance my prayers off a little bit. If you really think about it, these are the important issues. What good is a husband for my friend if she doesn't possess these qualities? The things that really matter and that we should pray for are not the better house or the better car. And let me tell you, don't get me wrong, we gotta pray for those things, of course. We have to pray about everything. But oh, how much better to pray for our husband, our children, to have the knowledge of his will and all wisdom, that they may walk worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in all they do. Paul was so right on. How important it is to pray God's word over your family. I learned this so early on my walk with the Lord. You see, I came to Christ when my, my family was going through a horrific trial, which I don't want to wish on any of my enemies. But you know what? One day, while I was reading Psalms 51 for the very first time in my life, mind you, I was a baby in the Lord, I came across some scriptures and I felt the Holy Spirit, the Lord, just impressing in my heart, you need to pray this for your family. And believe me, I know it was the Lord because I did not know anything about anything. I didn't know about Psalms. I didn't know about Colossians. I didn't know colonoscopy maybe, but Colossians, no. (laughs) I didn't know anything about it. So I know that it was the Lord. And so every day, as God is my witness, I would pray this for me and for my family from Psalms 51 verses 10 through 12. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. And then I would put my husband's name in there. Create in Jose a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within him. Do not cast him away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from him. Restore unto Jose the joy of your salvation, and uphold him by your generous spirit. And then I would do this for my son, and I would do this for my daughter. And I prayed this all day, every day, for years. Years later, 
I fully came to understand why the Lord led me to pray this. Do you know anybody with a broken heart? Do you know anybody who is really suffering through the consequences that they're going through in their life? This is a great verse to pray over them. It is good to pray scripture over your loved ones. You can always find one in just about every situation here in the word. There's one for every situation. You just have to look. Proverbs 21.1 is my favorite for my husband. I have been praying this verse for him for 38 years that we have been married. The king's heart, this is Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord. Like a river course, he moves it. He turns it wherever he pleases. Lord, if you can turn the heart of the king, surely you can turn my husband's heart. And you want to know something? It works. <laughs> it works a lot better than nagging. I can tell you that. It works for me. Proverbs 24, 26. He who gives a right answer kisses the lips. And I can't tell you how many times during the 38 years of my life, during an argument with my husband, I will pray this, and you guys want to know? It works. Well, maybe sometimes. Not all the times, but it works. For my kids, I love to pray this over them. I pray a lot of stuff over them, but this is one that I have always prayed for them. And it's Proverbs 30, 8 through 9. Give them neither poverty nor riches. Lord, please don't give them too much that they'll forget about you. But don't give them too little that they have to steal and sin against you and profane your name. Praying God's word over people is powerful. Why? Because he said it in his word, and I believe it. Try it. Colossians 1, verses 9 through 12 is a perfect start. So moving on, verses 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. That's from hell and all of his demons and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, heaven, eternity, his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sin. Wow. What a verse. This verse, guys, it makes me just want to, like, get on my knees and praise him for hours. I remember years ago, my husband did, we did youth uh, ministries together, and he would always end every single Friday night, uh, he would always end his teaching with an altar call, giving these kids an opportunity to accept Christ. And without, every single Friday, at least one kid if not more, would come to Christ. They would say yes. They would raise their hands and they would say, I believe 
I believe in the gospel. I believe in Jesus. And so my job was wonderful. I was to take those kids, and I was to take them to the back room, and I was to give them a Bible if they didn't have one. I was to pray for them, and I was to encourage them. And I will never forget those little eyes when I would say to them, today, because you have received Christ, all of your sins are wiped away. And they would look at me with tears coming down their cheeks and they would say, really, all of them? Yes, all of them. And then they would walk out of that room with shoulders high and a smile from cheek to cheek because you know why? For the very first time, these kids realized, number one, they were sinners, and number two, Jesus died for all their sins. Do you remember when you first figured this out? I do. I will never forget it. I was blind like a bat. I went to church for I don't know how many years. My parents would take me every Sunday. I went in one ear and went out the other ear. And one day when I was going through the biggest trial of my life, boing, the light went on. I, I, actually, I actually figured it out. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, I believe that. And if you're here today, and for the very first time, this verse makes sense to you, for the very first time, please come see me. I want to be the first one to congratulate you. I want to give you a Bible if you don't have one. I want to say to your face, yes, today all of your sins are wiped away on account of his blood. So please come see me. The blood of Jesus has the power to cleanse and to forgive. The devil thought he won those 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross. He thought he won, but he really didn't. He lost, and he lost bad. Because when that transaction happened, Jesus, with his blood, paid for us. He paid so that we can spend all of eternity in heaven with him. And what a happy day. That was a happy day happy day and now as we wind down let's look at verse 15 through 20 he Christ is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or power, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleases the Father that in him all of the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Jesus, girls, he is the image 
of God the Father. What does God look like? Well, nobody really knows. But Jesus would say, if you had seen me, you have seen the Father. The story is told about this little girl who was painting a picture on her dining room table. Her mother walks in and she says, honey, what are you coloring? And with great confidence, she looks up at her mother and she says, I'm drawing a picture of God. Oh, honey, sweetie pie, nobody knows what God looks like. Well, she puts her crayon down and she says, well, they will in just a minute. <laughs> I, lo I love that story. What is God the Father like? Well, look at Christ. Read about Christ. Hear about Christ. And pretty soon you too will have a picture of Christ. Paul here says, when you got Jesus, you've got all of God. Jesus, girls, he was the creator. He is the creator of the universe. He was fully involved in creation. From the beginning, he was there. Before he made furniture with his earthly father, Joseph, in that carpenter shop, he made the trees for lumber with his heavenly father in heaven. Before he preached the Sermon on the Mount, he made the mountains so he can have a pulpit. Before he multiplied the fishes to feed the crowds, he made the oceans and all the fishes in the sea. Jesus is the creator of the universe. My friends, my time is up. I am going to end with this. I'm going to encourage you guys to keep your eyes on the Lord. I'm going to encourage you guys to meditate and delight in the word of God. You know, this world is chaotic, but up there in heaven, there's peace. He's not up there going, oh my God, who's going to win? Biden or, or, or Trump? He's not there. He's, he's, all, he's got it all figured out. He's in full control. And if he's in control of the stupid uh, elections, of course he's in control of your life. Everything that is happening in your life, he's up there saying, this is exactly how I wanted it. Amen, right? I want to end the way that I started, by blessing you. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. And may he be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance and give you all his peace. Amen?